corner kick goal at long last and a place above the playoff line as well. It was a very good weekend for Inter Miami. Hello everyone, I'm Franco Penizo and this is Miami Total Football Radio or Miami Total Football Radio. Joined by my new mate, my new partner in crime, Steve Brenner, a.k.a. David Beckham's long-lost cousin. Steve, how are you doing this weekend? Or this or this week, actually? <laughs> I'm good, Frank. I'm good. And thanks for the nickname. I mean, because we're English, I guess we are related. Me and David are related at, at some level, even the very granular level. Um, so, yeah, maybe he is like my long, 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 long-lost cousin that I never knew about and maybe you've revealed it to me so thank you yeah see I'm bre- breaking news left and right in the over the last few weeks uh, I know you I mean you're also you also write for for England and or for English English outlets so I, I know deep down inside you probably are reporting to David on the whereabouts of of this team I mean he hasn't been around much he hasn't posted much in recent weeks or recent months so I know you're probably giving him the real 411 uh on the on the download. Well, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure he, well, he he's in he's in the know anyway, and I'm sure he has he has been watching. And I'm sure he would have he would have loved that the other day, especially if it was an afternoon kickoff, so it wasn't too late back in the UK. So perfect sort of Saturday night viewing for him in his country pile with his kids and his dogs and and everything else that's, that's going on. And I think he, he would have loved that. And I bet you know, in all honesty, he would have loved to have have been at the stadium. You know, was, like we say, what 2,200 people there. It sounded more like. 15,000 and it just made you think you know what what it would be like when the stands are are completely packed because even with just 2,000 in it you know it had a, a great atmosphere um great atmosphere it was it was it was decent in comparison to what we've had to sit through you know over the last few weeks so that was it was that was nice to see and then you know great finish as well yeah it was it was definitely great in comparison to what we've experienced over the resumption of the MLS season that started in August and it's kind of progressively gotten better and better but this one was obviously the the cherry on top as far as fan atmosphere and environment goes so far at Inter Miami CF Stadium. We're going to talk about the atmosphere and the environment as well as Inter Miami's 2 to 1 victory over Orlando City, a dramatic last gasp win for Inter Miami. And Obviously, that puts them above the playoff line. But before we do that and get into everything else we're going to talk about, uh, just as a reminder to everyone to give us a follow on all our social media accounts at Miami Total Football on YouTube and Facebook, at MIA Total Football on Twitter, and at Miami underscore total underscore football on Instagram. And that's football, the Spanish version. I think, I've been, I, think I said it a couple times or kind of said it football instead of football, but um, it's football, the, the Spanish version language version but now we'll get into everything we're going to talk about the game we're going to talk about the atmosphere we're going to talk about the big matches that are to come this week and we're going to answer your questions so steve let's get to it steve as you mentioned there were fans in the stands and more than just a few hundred of them like there were two home games ago this time there were thousands of fans in attendance 2216 to be exact and they witnessed a last or a late victory from Inter Miami against rivals Orlando City in what I dub the Sunshine Clásico, El Clásico del Sol. Steve, you were there alongside with me and a few other of the beat writers. What did you think of the atmosphere? Let's start there. Obviously, we're going to dissect the game a little bit and talk about that. But what did you just think overall about the atmosphere, about how the the, the crowd and the, and what the crowd brought to to the match and just to the overall vibe at the stadium? Yeah, man. You know, I, th- I think we touched on it last week that, you know, it makes going to games w- without any fans makes you realize 
what it's like when there actually are full houses, packed crowds, you know, that we've covered over over the years. It sort of makes you take everything for granted. You know, people in back in the UK, are, you know, I don't think they're going to let fans in for months yet, you know, and already a lot of journalists are complaining, you know, not complaining, but basically saying, you know, just how it's sort of sucking the life out of out of the experience of covering the matches. And, and it's true. I, I felt that 100 percent. And I was a bit boyoed, you know, lifted when when those few hundred fans were in for the uh, for the Atlanta game. And, and this was just, you know, that that natural progression to 2000. So, you know, four, five, six times the amount of people. Um, and yeah, it just it just felt like an occasion it felt like a proper match um you know and it was good to see i just hope everyone you know was acted safely according to everything that's that's going on right now certainly they were spaced out in the stands you know on the side it looked a bit sort of congested behind the goal but you know um, i'm sure it was fine you're outside etc etc so no i just it was it was it was great to see and hopefully when you know when we come back for the for the next season then hopefully the stands will be packed because I think they made a great sound, a great noise with only 2,200 people in. Don't forget the 50 brave souls that travelled from Orlando and actually the three also that were sat right in front of us in the press box. <laughs> yeah. Not to get their ears flicked after when they were they were, didn't really care, just getting up and down. But they were sitting near Blaze Matweedy's families. I don't think they were going to get actually going to get in a fight. But um, it was uh, no, it was it was good. To, it was good to see and welcome. And I'm just pleased that, you know, they had something to cheer about in the end as well. Well, so, yeah, I mean, obviously the, the vibe and atmosphere was much better than anything that we've experienced in terms of Inter-Miami to this point in, in the season, at least as far as home games go. Look, I gotta say this. Like the stadium, to me, obviously it's it's a temporary stadium, and there's there's been talking points about the seats and the stands, and it's pretty much like you know. So some people say it's just high school bleachers, just really fancily decorated or really fancy, but that helped create a pretty loud and and rowdy environment that was pretty ruckus. Like the way the fans would start stomping on the on the steel or the or the metal bleachers and. The way that that noise carried and reverberated for just two thousand people, it was pretty loud, and that was us on the inside in the press box. The press box, for anyone that's wondering, the at least where we sit, the written press does not have the windows are not able to be open, so normally we can't hear that much on what's happening on the outside. It's hard to hear, but this one you could hear pretty loud and well the fans and the noise being made on the outside. And again, this this is just two thousand fans. So, like you said, if Next year, they can pack that thing and get all 18,000, 19,000 people in there. Then that's going to make for a really incredible and awesome environment for the team, for the players, and for anybody that's just a neutral that just likes watching and experiencing the game. Because I thought it was... I thought it was a real fun game. You know, again, I'm just speaking from a neutral standpoint. Just the vibe that was there and the atmosphere and just the aura definitely added to, to the overall match and the overall drama of the game obviously there's a late winner to boot so that that helps you know here you hear the roar of the crowd in that in that last minute or in those final minutes so definitely a plus I, I thought the overall the vibe was great I think it was handled pretty well there was um, alcohol and stations and all, all different types of things throughout the stadium to try to help you know meet those protocols so overall thought it was a big plus thought it was handled fairly well and I think that that will give the opportunity for the doors to open again for the regular season finale in about two weeks time. So Steve, let's talk about the actual game now. Inter Miami gets a big two to one victory over the rivals Orlando City. 
off an 89th minute goal from Leandro Gonzalez Pires. The first Inter Miami goal off of a corner kick. Steve, what'd you make of the goal? What'd you make of that moment? What'd you make of Inter Miami finally scoring at long last on a corner? Yeah, look, I mean, it was a, you know it was a typical Inter Miami performance, wasn't it? Really, I thought the first 20 minutes or so, Orlando Orlando bossed it. Julio Urso in, in their midfield was was great. He was like a marauding sort of Patrick Vieira type, you know, player, just completely bossing it. He he faded, you know, but then when they let in the goal early on, bad mistake by Figal, it, you know, it looked, you know, a heart sort of sank and like, here, here we go. But fair enough, you know, they, they they stuck in there. Little moments of quality and they never never looked out of the game, but they never really kind of looked like they were completely on top. And then, you know, they got the level just before half time, And then the game was was nip and tight, wasn't it? I think, you know, um, Orlando faded. You know, they were, they were coming off the back of a 12 unbeaten. So they're in decent form. Nani was disappointing. He was their talisman. He didn't really do anything. Gino Urso sort of stepped stepped off a bit. And it was looking like, oh, well, actually, this could be a good point. John McCarthy then, amazing, brilliant save. Fantastic reaction save. That was the game right there. Back up the other end. Lewis Morgan's delivery, although he had been pretty quiet for, for his sort of recent standards, yeah. his delivery from set pieces was still great. Great corner. And and then, you know, the, uh, Gonzalez Perez with the header and, and from nowhere, they, they 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 stole the win, you know. So it was a massive, massive win. I was pleased they, they won it for, for the fans that were there. And also it just keeps that playoff race, you know, it, it, interesting and, and, and alive. But... Look, typ- typical performance. I think they just they defended pretty well. Still, the question marks over Pizarro. I just Pellegrini. He looks like he's got some. He just looks so raw. You know, for, for them to have signed him as a DP uh, was a big call. They obviously see something in him. He's obviously got great potential, but I just think he just looks a little bit raw, raw to me right now. Not not the kind of guy that will just consistently sort of produce. He's he's been doing it in fits and starts, but and Pizarro sort of. Typical from him as well. He just he has a lot of touches on the ball, but he doesn't seem to to penetrate, you know, in the final third, which is where they want him to do. And whether or not that was Orlando just defending well, or his just an inability just for him just to sort of carve out openings. Um, but he, he enjoyed a lot of possession. Just doesn't really do a lot enough with the ball. So if they can progress those problems and 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 try and solve them moving forward into these last what three games then um you know they they're, they're going to potentially have a chance but you never really know with this team they they they're not completely convincing yet but that's what maybe keeps it a bit interesting yeah so for me they the best moment that Inter Miami had the best moments in the match were from the 30th minute around there to halftime that that was the best spell or the best stretch of the match Inter Miami had from the run of play. They started to create a little bit more. They took the the ball away from Orlando City a lot more, and they started to dictate and put the tempo or put the game on their terms. There was that one play from from Ben Sweat with some good combination that finds him with a back heel from Julian Carranza at the top of the box. Ben Sweat obviously takes a, a, a weaker right-footed shot. He's left-footed, so he takes a weaker right-footed shot towards the towards the towards the right post and Pedro Galese makes a good save maybe you'd expect somebody else to finish that but can't really be too critical of a left back shooting on his off foot on that opportunity but again Inter Miami in those 15 minutes started to play better and they got their for me deserved equalizer in the in the 45th minute and I mean Rodolfo Pizarro was involved in that in that bunch and I don't necessarily agree with you fully there that 
he didn't have a good game. I I don't I agree that there's moments that he leaves something to be desired, but I think he had a good game in his first match back into into the lineup. I I rated him. He did okay. He, I, he, I, he looked, did okay without I rated, being. I rated him third best out of all the field players on Inter Miami. Third best. That's that. I mean, that's just me. Like my, I do the player ratings after every game. I give him third best. I'm sure for you, he's probably somewhere in the middle. Good? Is that good? Third best. Third best. Yeah, that's pretty. Third good. best in the team. Why didn't play that well? Is that good? I don't know. You Tom? <laughs> I mean. Third, if we're talking just the, the team in Miami and you know, top, you know who are your top performers, I had Lando Gonzalez Pires number one, Blaise Matuidi number two, and Rodolfo Pizarro number three. I think that's you know if you're in the podium, if any any game you're in the podium, unless you get completely blown out, then I feel like that's you know a respectable, a respectable performance. Again, doesn't mean that he doesn't have room for improvement, but I thought he had a good first game back with the group. Not great, but good. Um, so, six out of ten. Six out of ten. Yeah. So, so Inter Miami gets gets the goal right before halftime. Plays Matuidi takes a shot from the left that gets poorly cleared by Robin Jansen and ends up finding the back of Orlando City's net. One one help give Inter Miami some life and some confidence going into into the break. They come out of the break. They create a, a, a fairly good chance pretty early on. Julian Carranza hits a header off the crossbar, off a cross from from Lewis Morgan. And I agree with you that I didn't think by Lewis Morgan standards and, and just overall. He didn't have the, the best game. He's fairly quiet in this one, despite being involved in the the game winner with the assist on the set piece and that cross that I just mentioned to Julian Carranza that hit the crossbar. So besides those two plays, I thought he was overall kind of below his, his level. I'm very surprised he made MLS Team of the Week as, as a bench option, but I do know what goes into that process. So um, maybe I shouldn't be too surprised because it's not necessarily that that the, the league and the people that pick the team of the week necessarily watch every game from minute one to minute 90. It's just kind of like there's so many games they had to just pick and choose based on what, what they see in spurts or in flashes. So maybe that's what led to him there. I don't think he, he belonged on the team of the week, not even as a bench option. But And I, listen, I, th- I think Lewis Morgan's been one of the top two, three players for Inter-Miami this season, which we'll talk about in just a moment. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know how he made the team of the week this 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 to go around. So... Overall, I agree with you. It wasn't it wasn't a game that Inter Miami on the whole played super well. They they had their moments and they stayed in the game. And that's something about this Inter Miami team that that you've seen now at this point uh, through the first twenty weeks of the season is that they never really get blown out. They have a couple times, but they don't normally get blown out, and they normally don't blow anybody out. They usually just kind of stay there. I think the two to one result, whether it's a win or a loss, we've seen that. A bunch of times I think I mean I don't know the exact number we can go and count it and talk about it on next week's pod but it's definitely been a lot we've definitely seen that two to one scoreline quite a bit so yeah I was gonna say they you know only 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 scored 21 goals which is um you know I mean Cincinnati have only scored 11 uh, but it's the sort of fourth lowest out in in the Eastern Conference so that that's something they need to work on for sure yeah and look just for me the the last goal obviously the game winner uh, a good a good corner kick, good service, good delivery from Lewis Morgan, good play from Inter Miami. Leandro Gonzalez Pires said it after the game that the team has this play where they send essentially everybody to the near post, and that essentially gave them a numerical advantage because Orlando City covers or, or defends set pieces in, with zonal marking. They don't do man to man like a lot of teams do. They do zonal marking, so their players just stay in certain spots to clear out the ball. They had done it very well or 
mostly well over the course of those 90 minutes, but just that one play in that one moment with that good set-piece delivery allowed Leandro González Pires to head the ball into the back of the net. The scenes were incredible. Not only was Leandro González roaring with his teammates in the corner as he celebrated, but you saw Diego Alonso literally run up the touchline and just absolutely elated that Inter Miami was finally able to to get that goal. The fans were in a frenzy in, in the North Stand, and it was just a nice way to, to, to cap that first home game in front of so many fans for Inter Miami. I was half expecting Diego Alonso to, like, you know, rip his shirt off and have a shirt underneath that said, screw you, Franco, after uh, last week's video that I put up about no, their, set gonna... piece, their set piece struggles. Oh, he's going to jump into the stands, like smash into the press box, like with a socially distanced hug with his mask on, you know, run down, everyone's be crying. Uh, no, but look, I love, I love that. I love seeing the emotion of, the, especially, you know, the, the manager, you know, Jose Mourinho famously, you know, when he, when he, when his Porto side beat Man United in the Champions League, you know, ran down the touchline, I think he slid on his knees. You, they love to see that. Fans love to see that. And it just shows to that, you know, he cares. He cares about it. And he, he cares about the club. And, and, you know, he's worked hard to get those kind of results. You don't know this kind of, you know, the the rollercoaster emotions he must go through on the, on the sideline, especially in a game like that when they weren't really in it, they weren't really out of it. Um, you know, so it was, it was a big, it was a good, good moment, and hopefully they'll they'll learn from that and um, they get confidence from it moving forward. Yeah, that's something that I, I highlighted or touched on during the MLS's back tournament when you know they said they had all these different cameras that they were going to do to produce these games after the long layoff, and one of them was that I, I mean, from what I saw and observed, they started focusing more on coaches' reactions to plays, which I think is, I mean, that's pretty standard across the world in terms of in terms of soccer, in terms of football, but I think MLS is finally starting to discover that that's a big part of the narrative, a big part of a match, a big part of, you know, what, what can lead to a, a great moment like we saw Diego Alonso have. So hopefully we'll see more of that across the board, not just with Inter-Miami as far as MLS goes. I think we have, but hopefully we see more of that. Steve, anything else stand out to you in, in this match? Anything else that you would that you want to talk about or, or say? You know, this is a take a big takeaway that that I had from this one. I guess you know, he he will be pleased sort of defensively that they managed to um, you know sort of shut up shop. You know, it was a bad error by Figal for the for the opener, but they they sort of recovered from that and 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 held firm and with McCarthy behind them. You know, they looked they looked pretty solid. I thought Matuidi did had a decent decent enough game. Um, you know, it, it, we're kind of repeating ourselves with the same old sort of problems here, whereas they're great at the back, or not great at the back, but they're, they're getting more solid. It's just now need to work on just in that final third. When they get to try and get the ball into the box, can they do something with it? Can they can they, can they correct, carve out those opportunities? But um, no, I just think, yeah, defensively, they would have they would have been they would have been pleased for sure. And, and you know, they kept Nani quiet and, and their other guys maybe faded a bit. But, you know, Orlando were, were pretty good, especially in the first half. They were they were very impressive. First time I've seen them live this season, really. And, um, you know, they, I was impressed by them. They played it around nicely. So, you know, all in all, I think, they you know, Diego will be pleased that they just managed to to hold in and just just keep keep it together when it you know could have fallen apart. Orlando would have gone two up, then none of us would have really fancied them to come back. So, you know that that was that was pleasing to see for sure. Yeah, I've got so I've got two things that I'd like to to highlight here, and one is what you just touched on, and it's that defensively and the team showed progress in in this game. They still had that one lapse, that one mistake early on. Nicolas Vigal misplays a long ball from uh, Antonio Carlos. He misplays that ball. Daryl DK gets in and scores. 12 minutes in, at that point, it looked like, man, Inter-Miami could be in for a long day. But they 
closed things up defensively. They did a very good job the rest of the way. Like you said, they didn't give up very much. I think the only other shot on target that Orlando City had, yeah, the only other shot they had on target was that last or that 88th minute shot that John McCarthy saves with his leg. A game-saving stop from McCarthy, no doubt about it. Monster save. It'll go in the highlight reel for the season, for his career. I do have to say, Benji Michel should have put that one away for Orlando City. He literally has all of the goal to shoot at. John McCarthy is laying on the ground. He's not even standing up to, to be able to react all that well. He's on the ground, and Benji Michel shoots it right at his right at him. So, fair. But that's, know, that's the drill, isn't it? That's the drill for keepers. You always see down. They, they throw the ball down. They dive down straight back up again. Down straight back up but again. He was, but he was just down. He didn't even get up. He was just laying. Yeah. Like he, like Benji Michel literally has all the goal at his mercy to, to put it away, and he shoots it right where John McCarthy is. Again, I'm not going to say that it's not a game-saving cha- uh, game saving game saving stop it's absolutely that and full credit to John McCarthy but it also you have to take and, and the Teo the and a commentator said it on the broadcast as well when I rewatched the game at night the shot was very poor the shot was put right in the middle where the goalkeeper is if you put but that he in was a, alive, though. He, he was a lot he was a lot for sure. situation you know he was just, sure. he was there he was ready to act and, and he acted hey, he so, said he's, he even said he even said it after the game right and he had I think he had the quote of the night or the quote of the weekend maybe for across the entire league and we're talking about John McCarthy and he said and, and, you know, we won't repeat the exact words, but he said, I thought I blanked up when I put the ball towards the middle because he, he puts, you know, he gets his hand on it and rolls it kind of towards Benji Michelle in, in an effort to try to make a last ditch save when the ball came across the box. But obviously he makes the save. And as he as he put it, as John McCarthy put it, after he made the save, he thought, holy blank. So, you know, again, great, huge credit to him, but... Also, have taken consideration that Benjamin Michel really, really botched that. Now, this the second thing uh, I want to talk about. Uh, you know, we talked about the defense, the attack, right? It's it's uh, the emotions are high after this one, especially in, in the immediate aftermath. They won late. There was drama, but the attack still has issues. The team created twenty shots in this game. Only four were on target. They didn't overly test Pedro Galese. They had a couple, a couple good looks. Can't can't deny that the the first goal the equalizer comes off of an own goal that's a bit fortuitous on on their part and they'll take it you know the, nothing wrong with winning a game that way but they have to find a way to be better in the final third if they're going to get enough points out of these next three matches to make the playoffs because you're not going to be able to rely on a last minute set piece goal every single every single match I mean Inter Miami hasn't even scored set uh, or corner kick goal until until this one so. They have to be able to be better from the run of play. I think they showed moments in this one. Again, Carranza had a header. Ben Sweat had a good look. But they need to do better in that regard if they're going to really, really ensure that they finish in, in a playoff spot. Right now, they're in 10th in the Eastern Conference. They're in the final spot that, above the playoff line. We'll see if they can hold on to it. Last topic I want to touch on before we shift gears. Steve, and, and I said we would talk about this. Is For you, up to this point in the season... Who has been the best player for Inter Miami? Because obviously Lewis Morgan's gotten a lot of credit, a lot of love, a lot of publicity, lost a lot of the spotlight, and with good reason. But for me, and it's not just because of this weekend, it's something I've just observed and just my opinion and my take on the course of the season, I think Leandro gonzalez Pires has been the most consistent and the best player for Inter Miami in 2020. He obviously didn't play in the first five games. He joined the team 
about halfway or a third of the way through and then couldn't play until after the MLS's back tournament. But since the, since his integration to the group, I think he's been very steady, very good, not only in his defending, not only because he scored a game-winning goal this weekend, his first while he was in Miami team captain, that has to be noted, but because of the fact that he's just so steady and, and he gives you something in the attack as well with his passing, which is something I think you highlighted as well last week. So... For me, it's Leandro gonzalez Pires. Up until now, there's still three games left in the year or in the regular season for that to change. But I think right now, Leandro gonzalez Pires is a is a slight edge above Lewis Morgan. But I'm curious to hear what you what you think. Yeah, no, it's a good shout. Definitely, gonzalez Pires has impressed me. Um, you know, on the ball, he's got a good range of range of passing. Um, he seems like he's a good organizer. You know, he's also he's he's been around the, the league for for a few years. Played at Atlanta, obviously. Um, so it has that has that experience. I'd still go with with Lewis Morgan. I just think he's, you know, he's been topping the sort of goal charts and the assist charts. He's, he's the most potent threat and a guy that on the on paper when you looked at it, he's like, oh, what, what, what's he going to do? You know, we don't know much about him. He stopped starting England, but it's, it's, it's really sort of thrived here. So I'll stick with the Scottish Messi for now. Um, but <laughs> to see uh, Gonzalez Perez, yeah, I mean, also. Soak up the responsibility of, of being the captain, scoring. Um, you know, Alonso clearly rates him, but definitely the, you know, the, the way that he 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 can pass the ball and pass the ball like defence is 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 key. I remember he set up he set up the he was part of the move that when Breck Shea scored against Atlanta, I think it was his crossfield ball uh, that started to move off to, to to player of the season Lewis Morgan, um, who then crossed it in. So um, yeah, no, it's I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with you. I would just have a different player but that's not to say that Gonzalez Perez hasn't been impressive because yeah. he has and so, also he so you do disagree us. so you do disagree with me I do disagree <laughs> uh, gets an extra half point because we actually interviewed him didn't we the other day while he was getting a massage yes so that, yes yes that, so please pl- please share now you have to share the story you have to share the story because that didn't make it out to the you know the YouTube channel that didn't make it out to to the public that those interview that post training interview so share share with the public the, the general public about this fascinating Probably never before seen or never before happened, at least as far as Inter Miami goes, in type of interview. Yeah, well, you know, we get we get given a player, um, you know, uh, before the in a couple of days, you know, preceding preceding the match, and because of the situation we're in, normally we'd be down at the training ground interviewing these guys. There'd be a huddle of us local guys just speaking to them, but you know, we're we're now reduced to you know Zoom and and online, everything like that, webcams, a lot, and. Um, Gonzalez Perez, after we finished with Diego Alonso, wasn't actually ready and was actually getting a massage uh, to, 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 you know, uh, help his weary limbs. And uh, rather than us wait five hours until he'd actually finished, um, the Inter- very helpful Inter Miami press people actually gave him. I think it was he on the phone. Or I, I would have to imagine it was on the cell phone because the way he because he yeah. flipped it right, he flipped it at one point right, he flipped the camera, yeah. so that has to be on his cell phone. You can't, you know, he didn't flip the the computer around his. So. Uh, yeah, that's it. He yeah. showed us. He showed us all the people rubbing his legs and everything. He was he was in the locker room. He was in, in yeah, some sort physios, of massage area. The physios were yeah, in there yeah. working on him. Um, he was in a very good mood. He was definitely in a very good mood, and that, that massage probably helped and allowed him to score that game winning goal. One more thing I'll touch on really quickly is Blaze Matuidi thought it was a very interesting moment. Thought it was it, it was funny. I laughed at it when I rewatched the game, uh, as I do after after every game. But in the goal celebration, Blaise Matuidi comes over. He's all happy. He's smiling. And as he's getting into the group huddle, a couple of players walk away. And he gets mad and starts screaming at them to come back so that they can run down or waste some more time. 
it's because yeah, obviously the game was towards the, the the dying the dying stages. They do come back, and then and then you know he gets back to smiling and embracing. But the referee ends up coming over and breaking him up because he caught what Blaze Matuidi, <laughs> what Blaze Matuidi was was trying to do. Blaze Matuidi for me, like I said, if it wasn't for Gonzalez Pires's last or late goal, I think Blaze Matuidi would have been man in the match. He had a very good game, quite possibly his best game for for Inter. Miami. But we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back to talk about the this week's big matches and the key to the games against FC Dallas and Toronto FC. left in the MLS regular season for Inter-Miami. Two of them will take place this week. They're both on the road. First on Wednesday against FC Dallas, team not in the Eastern Conference. And then on Sunday, the day after Halloween, against Toronto FC, a team that is in the Eastern Conference and near the top. Inter-Miami is in 10th place right now, even on points with the Chicago Fire, but is ahead of them due to the tiebreakers. But it's all very close there at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. Following Chicago is Atlanta with 19, DC with 18, Cincinnati's probably out with 16 points. You could probably count them out, although they guess they're still mathematically alive. Steve, there's two big games this week, two matches that could very well decide Inter Miami's fate even before the, the the regular season finale. What are the keys? To, to these matches, and I guess the bigger question is how many points do you think Inter-Miami needs from these next two to really have a chance at qualifying for the playoffs during the final week of the regular season? If you think that they're playing Cincinnati last at home, right? So, I mean, they're going to have to win. They've got to win at least one of these games. They want, I think if you said you can get four points now from these two games, would you take it? I think he'd snap, he'd snap their proverbial arm off. So, um uh, Dallas, you know, still they're sixth in the Western Conference right now, coming off the back of a draw and a defeat. Uh, Toronto, you know, Toronto qualified, haven't they? Anyway, so you know, are they going to take their foot off the gas? I mean, probably not. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be difficult. And then, you know, there was a big result as, as Leandro Perez, uh, Gonzalez Perez, sorry, was scored scored the goal. You know, Atlanta had equalised against DC United, only for DC United to score right in the last minute and, and win that. And that keeps them alive as well. So. You've got all those three teams underneath Miami now, really sort of scrapping away for it, and um, you, you've got to, They've got. I think they've they've got to get a, a minimum minimum of, of one win from the next two. And I just think on the road against you know, these top teams that have had you know much better seasons, more established in the league, obviously, it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult. It's gonna be difficult for sure when you consider yeah that, that you'd you'd hope that they would be able to beat bottom of the table Cincinnati in the last game. I think it's going to go to the wire, but I think if if they turn up uh, um, for that last game, having lost, you know, the, the previous two, as we just mentioned, I think it's curtains. So you think three points? That's what you're saying. They need a minimum of three points to have a chance to to make the playoffs. That's that's what you would that's what you would deem a respectable haul um, from I'm, the next two games. Yes, yes. 
They're both I mean, away from home. Minimum, minimum. Yeah, they've got to get a win. They've right. got to get a win. I don't, don't, don't. I mean, you know, you just don't know, do you? But if they want to do it, and you know, if, say if they did win, that would push them onto onto twenty four. Potentially could go above Montreal, just one point behind Nashville. Then you're looking at it like they could get to sixth, seventh, or eighth, maybe if they can win that last game against Cincinnati. Um, it just opens up so many more possibilities. I just think a draw leaves them perilously close. It doesn't lead them out of it. And even if they lose both games, you know, they'll still be, well, it obviously depends on other results. The, the bare minimum, they need to win one out of these next two games. I agree with you. Three points are absolutely what's needed for them to have a fighting chance to make the playoff. And I think the more realistic match to do that in is Wednesday. Obviously a short turnaround, but you're playing a team that in FC Dallas that has been up and down the season. Very, very inconsistent. They're sixth, they're sixth in the West, but the record is six wins, five losses, and seven draws. They've scored 22 goals and given up 20. So fairly subpar or fairly average uh, is, is the better word there. So that's a game that Inter-Miami can win. Going into Toronto to beat the second best place team in the Eastern Conference as of today that is fighting for the Supporter Shield. They're tied on points with the Philadelphia Union, even though they just lost 5-0 to the Philadelphia Union in a surprising result over the weekend. I think that's a very tough ask, a very tough task. I think they need a minimum of three points, and I think that needs to come on Wednesday night because Toronto FC is going to be a very difficult challenge. Now, if they can get four, obviously the ideal idea and or the ideal scenario and situation would be six points, right? That's obviously the ideal scenario, win both of them. But if we're talking a little more realistically or a little more just from a, the outside perspective, what we think they can realistically manage, again, this is just our opinion, I think three is the bare minimum. Four would be fantastic. Four would put you in a very good spot going into that final home game against the weakest team in the Eastern Conference with support. You know, we were expecting fans to be back in attendance. So, you know, you would like Inter-Miami's chances if they can get four points. Three points gives them a chance. I think gives them a chance. Four, I think, definitely puts them in, in a, a very good position. But they need at least a minimum a minimum of, of three in this one. What do you think are keys? We've talked about the attack. We've talked about the defense. What do you think are the keys for this one? Obviously, Gonzalo Higuain will be back for Inter-Miami in, in both of these. I mean, you expect he'll be available for both of these, starting with Wednesday against Dallas. So what are the keys for Inter-Miami to be able to, to take some points or at least get those minimum three points from these next two matches? Score goals, I think. That's what it comes down to, isn't it, at the end of the day? I think um, you know Higuain coming back, obviously, is a big boost. I think Carranza did okay. You know, He sort of worked hard, didn't he? He didn't really have too many openings. I wonder what it would be like if maybe Carranza and Higuain would play up top as a as a two, and then have a four, you know, a four sort of four 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 two Morgan on one side, maybe Bizarro on the other. Yeah, sweat. I mean, uh, Will Trap and Matuidi in the middle. Maybe maybe that would work. Does the four three three maybe leave them a, a little bit a little bit too open? Maybe. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure. I mean, it's funny. It's funny you say that because one of the questions we have for our Q and A segment is about. Something similar to that, but we'll, we'll, we'll save that for the final segment of, of the pod. Mm, look, for, for me, I think, like you said, it's about scoring goals. Obviously, they need to keep it as tight at the back as they can. Avoid those mistakes that have cost them at different points in the season. Because you know they, they can play well for 85 minutes and then give up, or 89 minutes, and then they give up that one, they make that one mistake that costs them and then really hurts them. Obviously, that, that needs to continue. They need to play 
they need to play as well as they can in that regard and avoid those type of mistakes. But I think, like you said, the attack is the most important piece of this because that's where they've struggled. And even, again, this past game, they struggled again with that because they had some chances, they created some looks, but they still couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. Their two goals come off of an own goal and a corner kick in the dying minutes. So they need to be able to break open an opposing team from the run of play that will help them, that will allow them to, for the games to open up, that will allow the, force the opponents to open up. They need to score goals. Gonzalo Higuain, this is his time to really step up to the plate and deliver. Obviously, he relies on some services. It's not strictly on him, but he's getting paid very, very handsomely. He's getting... He's, got, he's going to probably get the captain's armband back. This is the moment where he needs to show his experience and help the team with some big performances and preferably a goal or two. So that's for me, that's for me, that's 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 the key for this one. Can you get the goals and can Gonzalo Higuain step up when you most need him in this crunch time? But you'd think maybe moving ahead, even if they get into the playoffs in a one-off match, you know, it's a cliche. It's anyone's game. 50-50 chance for sure. I mean, you know, the the lack of the crowd is a is a sort of um, it, it it it's a it levels levels the playing field a bit. You're not going to go to Atlanta with seventy five thousand people there. Um, so anyway, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. But on the basis of the last few matches, they can if they can keep a tie and hit on the break, then they've definitely got a chance of doing something. So in a one off match. Who knows what could happen? But anyway, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that in a few weeks, hopefully. So this will be the last question then for for this segment is, and we touched a little bit on on the lineup. We'll touch on it again when we have this question in the Q and A session. But give me your information for Wednesday, Steve. Obviously, we don't we won't know who's healthy and available for Saturday until we see this game. So won't ask you to, to project as far as Toronto FC, but against Dallas, if you're Diego Alonso, who do you throw out there? One, and who do you think he throws out there too? I, I'm. I, I guess I'm just sort of a, a traditionalist that maybe likes the sort of the, the two up front, and I, I just don't want sort of Lewis Morgan and Pizarro just to be sort of stranded up top, as well as having to sort of track back. I know Pizarro doesn't track back maybe as much, but Lewis Morgan sometimes finds himself at left back or right back. So um, maybe that would maybe that him and Carranza together. I mean, if they've never played together before, he, he hasn't really played that way, has he? I don't think too much. They may have flitted in and out during matches but on on the whole he's kind of kept the same formation so is he going to change it is he going to change what was a winning formation as a manager you're probably not going to do that um but obviously Higuain's going to come back in the Corrans are doing enough to, to think that he can warrant a starting spot I mean maybe maybe not but um you know we'll just we'll just have to wait and see that that would be the way that I would go but I I, I don't think he'll go like that because he's He's pretty much stuck on on how he how he wants to play, and then he'll say, "Well, look, we we won the last game, and we're in, we're not in bad form." So, you know, who, who am I to question him? I think he's going to go with the four two three one we just saw against against Orlando City. I think maybe you could see Matias Pellegrini come out of the lineup in addition to Julian Carranza, who will be replaced by Gonzalo Higuain. I think either Breck Shea could get could get the start there, maybe Pizarro out on the left, and you give. Federico Higuain to start at the 10, but I I don't think that that's too likely because, again, Diego Alonso likes work rate and industry from his central midfielders, even the 10, which is why Pizarro plays there because he, he gets back and helps out on the defensive side. So don't think it'll be Higuain. Most likely, if there's any switch on that left flank, it'll be Breccia or or maybe even Juan 
Agudelo. I think it'll be a 4-2-3-1. If I'm Diego Alonso, I go 4-2-3-1. The, the one question that I have on my end is, does he go, well, besides the left midfield, is does he go with Dylan Nielis again at right back, or does he go with Andres Reyes at center back and push Nicolas Figal out back on the right? That's the one other question that I have that I think he's going to contemplate. But listen, Dylan Nielis is speaking to us tomorrow in in the, the availability that Inter-Miami has before the Wednesday match. And that's usually a sign that the player is going to play. It's not a guarantee, but it's usually a sign that the player that's speaking is going to play in the upcoming match. So if we're going off of that, if I'm going to just go off of that, I think Dylan Nielis gets the start. Maybe Andres Reyes isn't ready. He was on the bench in this last game. He got a yellow card against Orlando City for, for kicking the ball on the field. While walking back to the bench, I think he's gonna, they're going to still work his way back to, to full fitness and full sharpness before they, they throw him back out there. And I thought Dylan Nielis had a good game, at least, you know, very professional game against the Lions. So I think it'll be Dylan, Dylan Nielis, all things considered. But we're going to take our final break and we'll come back with our Q&A session and our final thoughts after this. So it's our weekly Q&A segment. It's time to answer your guys' questions. The first one we'll answer will be from Andres at Coloblanco97, a longtime listener. He actually had gone kind of quiet, kind of ghost on us for a few weeks now. Maybe he didn't like the, the Steve integration and the Eric departure, or I don't I don't know if he, if he was happy with that because I hadn't heard from him. I was actually wondering about him the other day, but he's back. He even says it. Hey, guys, been a while, but in your opinion, do we have the best run in of games after the Orlando win to qualify for the playoffs is it essentially in our hands if we do qualify is the club planning to open the stadium for a potential playoff game home game is unlikely though Steve we touched a little bit about what we think about their remaining schedule is it essentially in inner Miami's hands what what do you think with that regard and if they do qualify do you think that the team will open the stadium for for fans at home yeah, I mean, look, it, it is in their hands. I mean, it's. I don't think any of the teams have got. I'm just looking at Atlanta's run in here. You know, they're playing Orlando, home to Cincinnati, who, who Inter Miami have got, and then and away in, away in Columbus. So that that's you know that's that's not easy, e- either, is it? I just think at this end of the season, you know, although it's been a truncated one, people are tired, and you know the pressure's now sort of ramping up a bit. We're talking about playoffs and they're going to miss out and ramifications and all that all that kind of stuff. So. um I think that they know what to do. They know that if they win the next three games, they're definitely going to be in. If they win two, they're probably going to be in. So, and even if they lose on Wednesday, they've still got a chance from the last two games. So, I think it's 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 set up nicely with the crowds. I I don't know. I think logistically, the stadium, you know, and the people behind the scenes who should get a, sh- a shout out for 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 getting the game on and getting the fans in were great. You know, we're seeing reports that you know virus rates are going up and all, and all that sort of stuff. We're not out of the woods yet. Blah blah blah. So um, I don't know. I think it's a little bit maybe too early to start thinking that the stadium's going to be round packed. Unfortunately, which is such a shame. But let's hopefully fingers crossed that when we, we do come back for for the next season, that the situation will be uh, more in control. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough to see the stadium open at full capacity. I think you know we we'll, might see something similar to what we saw against Orlando City on the weekend. That's if. Numbers, at least in South Florida, stay at where they're at. If they start spiking over the next few weeks, then that could change the whole direction of things. So 
I think that there's a possibility if Inter Miami gets a home game now in the playoffs. Now we're talking about it's obviously a, maybe a bit of a long shot. If they win all three games, maybe they have a possibility. Maybe if they get six points, they could have they could move up the table. But it's probably a long shot that they'll get a home playoff game at, at this juncture, given where they stand and how the the points are spread out and the schedule they have. But it is in their hands, like you said. You know, if if they win all three games, they're in. No one no one below them is is gonna pass them. So. Win all three and you're in. That's a tough ass, tough task. But these this week is crucial. These two matches on Wednesday and on Sunday are make or break. Like like Diego Alonso even said in, in the post game, we're taking these last four games as finals. That they played the Orlando City game like it was a final more so than a rivalry match. And that they won that the game in that way and playing that way and, and making it feel in that manner. So expect them to do the same on Wednesday and on Sunday. Alonso said that we're preparing for another final Wednesday. So expect them to, to, to prepare in that way. Second question uh, comes from Gabe P. It's at Gabe P. 25-75-98-36. Should Carranza play as a 9 along with Higuain in the next game? I feel if we do that, we would have better numbers than someone always up top since Pipa is dropping a lot to create plays. Also, Pizarro should start on the left and Matuidi trap in the center so something similar to what you said earlier this is the question I had referenced I guess I guess you agree to an extent that this is a look that should be used but for me Steve I I, I don't think one the 4-4-2 as much as I used to like it when I was growing up and, and watching soccer as a, as a younger kid it was, a, it, was a, it was it was a formation I really liked I thought it was very effective However, with time in modern soccer, it's practically become extinct. Very few teams deploy a 4-4-2 this day and age. We've seen it from Inter-Miami, like you said earlier, in moments, in matches, but they've never started a game that way, never played a a full game in that formation. I don't think Diego Alonso is going to do that. I don't think he's going to go away from something he knows to something he doesn't really know or hasn't really used. At this point in the year, maybe next season it's something to, to, to take a look at and tinker with. But again, 4-4-2 is pretty, much, it's pretty outdated at this point. It's very hard to work because of how modern soccer and modern football is and the way you players have to defend and how much how many numbers you need behind the ball at times. So I, I, don't, I don't think that we'll see a 4-4-2. I think, like I said earlier, it'll be a 4-2-3-1. And I, I also don't think that Carranza and Higuain together, like I don't know if that that's going to work. Yes, Higuain drops back, but he also, you know, he also goes. He, he he's used to just going forward, right? He's not used to like playing the ball forward. He plays the balls out wide. He's not much of a of a creator or playmaker. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, the four the playing the three up top is, is great. It is in vogue. It's the fashionable thing. You know, you had Messi, Suarez, and Neymar. You know, a few years ago, you know, at Liverpool, Mane, Firmino, Salah. You know, but they're top top players who can sort of influence the game far more in the in the attacking third. Whereas I think with with the way Inter Miami is set up, it, it means that Lewis Morgan ha- it keeps having to sort of drop back and, and and try and you know pick up things in midfield. And like I say, he has been found at fullback as well. So they haven't got you know the, the sort of stellar quality up top as a three to really cause team lots of problems. But yeah, on the flip side, the, the, the formation. You know, does does work to 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 some extent. Um, look, he's 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 only got to play with the cards he's got right now. So, right. Um, has it has it created scored? Made, helped him score a lot of goals? No. 
Have they looked more potent attackingly? Not, not attacking wise, not really. But it's what they're used to, and it's what he likes. So, and it's been doing okay for them recently. So, um, yeah, he, he'll stick with it. He's not going. He's not going to change. But would would it be different to have maybe two banks of four, and then you know those two up top? Who you know, we'll we'll wait and see. It's, it's something he could switch to in the match for sure, depending on on how it's going. If he wants to just sort of you know firm things up, and then Iguain could 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 drop back and leave Carranza up top. Who you know who knows? I don't. I won't rip on Gabe. Who's our listener? But I will rip on you, Steve. Come on, man. Four four two. Dude, as, much, as much as as much as I like that formation, how many teams around the world play that formation? Not not, not many. Not many. That, that formation has well, become. Why should, should they copy everyone else, man? This is it. He <laughs> wants to, to have our identity, our, our identity, our South Florida identity. And, yeah, just and have this that, football football feeling. That's it. It's four four two. I'm excited. Uh, look, I, again, I liked the four four two growing up. It was it was a formation I liked to watch. It was something I, like some of my favorite teams growing up that I watched played or that I wish they played. Uh, you know, when I was playing Pez growing up, I used the four four two a lot. I like the four. I like. It's a real world. I like the four four two. I liked the four four two. But now we're talking right real world, and we're talking modern soccer. And four four two is. A dinosaur, essentially, it's practically extinct. It almost doesn't exist anymore, and it's you can't, you just can't afford to have two players such in such high up positions that don't really get back and defend. And that's what a four four two is. Because now, if you're asking one of them to drop back and, and occupy deeper spots, then it's not a four four two. You're talking a different formation, which is why I think they will go four two three one. I think, like you said, it has not necessarily been the most productive formation. It hasn't necessarily produced a whole lot in the attack but it's what they have it's what they know it's what they will go with because you're not mixing things up at this point in the season you're not going to switch it up this late in the year especially in crunch time when you have these games that are going to make or break your playoff lives or playoff future they're going to go 4-2-3-1 they've done the 4-3-3 at times but I think they're going to go 4-2-3-1 Pizarro's back he can play as the 10 you got to figure out what you're going to do on the left side. You don't get, you haven't gotten a whole lot of production out of there, be it Pellegrini or Brecce. But I think you just got to make do with what you have. Like you said, play the cards you're, you're dealt or that you have, and, and hope for hope for the best. So they're going to go four two three one. I would go four two three one if I'm if I'm them. Uh, so I think that's what we'll see. But hey, maybe Listen, next maybe maybe you, next I'm year maybe you. next year we'll see the four four two. Listen, make a video telling Diego Alonso to do the four four two, and if he does it and it works out. Then you can say that you know you and Gabe were were the the genius creators behind the re- rebirth of Inter Miami's attack. You wait, man. Vice City eighteen ninety six is going to be Vice City four four two. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. <laughs> hey, maybe, maybe I you know I, I don't I don't discount the idea. I'm just saying in modern soccer, it's it's tough. It's you don't see it that much. I agree with you. I don't, you you no, you're right. I'm not I'm not discounting. That. I'm just saying when you just put all those parts together, then if we're being a championship manager or pairs or whatever you want to do, I, I quite like the look of that for what the players have got. That, that, that's all I'm I'm saying. I know he's not going to play like that, but, you know, considering what they've got available to them to, to, to be solid and then to hit on the break potentially with two up top just to give the defend, the opposition defenders also something to think about. Iguane may drop back. So this is it. Again, it's all talking points, all opinion. That's why we love it. So, Steve, any final thoughts before we wrap up this week's pod? 
No, I, yeah, just it's it's been a you know a roller coaster, isn't it? Because you know we, we came into the Orlando game sort of thinking, oh, you know what what you know they had a bad couple of results and things weren't really going that well. They got in suspended. Then all of a sudden, last minute, obviously, uh, you know, we talked about the save, then the goal, then the, the results going for them in Atlanta. So it's just. It's kept it interesting, which is the main thing, and they're still in with a shout. Not that anyone is without, never within a shout in a in a league where you, the top ten out of fourteen can qualify for the playoffs. But that's another conversation. They're still in it. We're still talking about it, and there's still hope, definitely, for this big big game on Wednesday, and then and then on then on Saturday. So it, it, you know, it's it's all good. Yeah, my final thought is, like we said, this is a big week. And I think not only does Higuain have to really step up, I think Diego Alonso really needs to manage these next two games as best as he possibly can because this is going to determine essentially how it's viewed from the general public's eye. Is If Inter Miami makes the playoffs, even if they're a 10th seed, most people are going to consider that a success. I don't know if I will, but most people will consider the team making the playoffs in such a difficult season a success. If they don't make the playoffs, it's like, well, you're one of the only four teams that didn't make the playoffs, so clearly not a success. So this is a huge week for the team and a huge week for Diego Alonso and how this first year for Inter Miami will be looked at and reviewed by a lot of people. But we'll see how the games go. There's two matches on the agenda. As always, everyone, don't forget to follow us on our social media channels, especially the YouTube. We put out daily content or almost daily content on there, including highlights and analysis. Going to get Steve's mug on there fairly soon maybe for yes. the maybe for the final uh, final regular season match if if we can make that happen i think it's i think it's something to be to, to work on and do i think it's a different thing we can bring to the fold but also guys don't forget to leave us a review on apple podcast formerly known as itunes we really appreciate it if you can give us a five-star rating that'd be awesome but give us what you feel we deserve and always please if you can leave us a comment as well that does it for now Enjoy this week's game. There are huge games. Enjoy Halloween. And we'll talk to you guys.